Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And we're the girls behind comments by celebs. And welcome to another episode of our Kardashian bonus show. Hey, Jewel. Hi, kid. We are zooming through season four, Julie. I know. And this episode was like one of the all-time classics. It was. And then the next two, we have one Scott in Vegas. And then following that, we have the birth of Mason. We're like at the Kardashians' greatest hits. (laughs) I know. And remember how last week we were saying how in a lot of seasons, but specifically this one, what happens is from episode to episode, you see Scott go from, you know, best of the best dad of the year to like the worst person you've ever seen on reality television. What is about to happen is kind of the pinnacle of that because the whole money in the waiter's mouth in Vegas is maybe the worst we've ever seen of him. And then to go from that directly into Mason's birth, where he's just, overjoyed and it kind of sparks this whole new life journey for him. It's really something to see. Oh, it's a ride from here on out because there's a lot of highs and lows that come even after Mason's birth for sure. And what's so interesting is even in this one episode, you see that up and down so much of him handling something in a way where you're like, how is it possible for you to have such a lack of clarity on this situation? And then going from that to, wow, like the way you're handling this is actually like somewhat deserving of praise. It's unbelievable. Don't you kind of feel though that that never really went away? Like, I feel like when you are a Kardashian enthusiast and you obviously have gotten to know Scott over the years, even still, you can simultaneously be so proud of the way that he handles some things. And then at the same time, so kind of turned off by his general behavior. Yeah. I mean, those highs and lows definitely aren't as much as they used to be because it used to be such a stark contrast in the things he was doing versus how he then made up for it. Like something with Scott is he mastered the art of the apology and not in a manipulative, I'm saying exactly what you need to hear kind of way, just like in a, in the moment when he screwed up and he realized it, that's the moment that he was able to get his shit together for however long that was going to last. So as a Scott fan or as a Kardashian fan, when you watch him, the need for him to compensate with those apologies are not nearly what they used to be. But yeah, you still have those highs and lows. I mean, namely Amelia. Well, I am so upset that you don't watch Beverly Hills because last night, Lisa Renna was on Watch What Happens Live and they were playing this game called like, do they follow Renna? It was all sparked by the fact that they realized that Drake follows her. And Andy brings up a photo of Scott and he's like, and next up we have Renna's potential future son-in-law, Scott Disick. And you see, she takes off her glasses, which was kind of her look for the night and just gives him a death stare and literally says like, you did not just fucking call him that. And yes, it was all lighthearted and good fun, but you can just tell that she is so deeply not down for this relationship. No, she's definitely not. And I can't blame her. I mean, thank God she doesn't follow Scott on Instagram because I think she would be mortified. I know. I know. I know she made a point to say, you know, Amelia's happy. And I believe that. I do think Amelia's happy. I just think as an outsider, you 
can't help but feel a little bit of a sense of concern. I know that may sound annoying, but I just think it's the truth. Yeah, I so agree with you. I know on Monday's episode, we will probably end up diving deep on Kim on the Armchair Expert Extension podcast and then also the Kylie pregnancy stuff. But I feel like since it was just Kylie's birthday, can we have like a 30-second conversation of this just overarching theory where everybody, some by analysis of her nail polish color, some by her social media habits, really truly believe that Kylie is pregnant. And I know we initially were doubtful and (laughs) I think I believe it. So I've been doubtful this entire time because to me, banked photos being posted and nail polish not changing is not enough evidence for me, especially when you're Kylie and you're Social media is done in such a strategic way where it's not just let me post the most recent pictures. It's like I'm sure there's a lot of banked photos and whatever it is that she's posting that she has to post at a certain time. Like to me, it's not enough evidence. The thing that really got me in terms of maybe believing this is the fact that not one photo was posted of her on her birthday. And specifically with Kylie, they love to post her. Like Chloe doing a story of Kylie walking out and being like, oh my God, look how beautiful she looks. Oh my God, you look amazing. Like birthday girl, yay. Like that is such a Chloe thing to do. And there was not one of those. So that was the thing where I was like, oh, this could totally be it. Yeah. I just, I feel like, I guess it was last week or two weeks ago when we talked about that one TikTok that was going viral. We can put it in the description again. I know we did that a few weeks ago. And I think we felt like that was too much of a stretch and there was no way. But I do, you know, I don't know. I've kind of gotten sucked into the void now. And I just don't think it's the craziest thing ever, especially because we know that her and Travis seem to be at a place where if they did decide to have another kid together, nobody would blink an eye in terms of it being weird timing with where they're at romantically. Oh, definitely. I mean, listen, I I think there's also a lot to be said for the discussion that we have a lot where we say, you know, if the Kardashians have rumors circulating and they want to shut them down, they just shut them down. Like it's, it's very simple as that. And when they don't do that, then it tends to breed some sort of validity into that rumor. With Kylie, it's kind of up in the air because it's not like there's a million news articles posting. It's not like people or E! News has picked up this Kylie pregnancy thing. It's all circulating online and on TikTok and Twitter and in Reddit theories. And so it's interesting to see her post her nails as a way to kind of respond to the nail theories or post pictures of her body as a way to kind of respond to those, but without feeling a need to shut down rumors because they're not circulating to the public per se. Can I tell you though, what I was envisioning in a hypothetical world that, you know, she is not pregnant and she wants to voice it. I think she would do it in a very similar way to how she's done it with commenting on her fillers or commenting initially about posting photos of Stormy. I think she would respond to a comment on like, you know, a Kylie fan page, like Kardashian video or Kylie Snapchat or one of those accounts that she follows. That's how I think she would do it. So are you saying because she hasn't done that, you think that that gives it more truth or you think she just hasn't done it yet? No, no, no. I'm not even saying that her doing it or not doing it one way or another. I'm just saying that if she were to address it, I don't think it would be some sort of a formal statement or even an Instagram story necessarily. I could totally see it being something as subtle as a comment reply to you know, a fan in those sections, which she, of course, knew would get picked up. Right. Like on the Kylie Snapchat Instagram, which she does a lot. She think about how many things, nothing as major as a pregnancy, she has commented on over there. Right. Well, she would only do it to decline the rumors. She would never do it to confirm them, obviously. But there was a Reddit theory circulating that somebody had posted, and I think somebody had inboxed us about saying that they believe that because the Met Gala is in September, that she's gonna like want to debut at the Met Gala and make a thing of it. I don't know how true that is, but that's just one thing that's been circulating a little bit, very minorly. I mean, that's not the worst theory I've ever heard. I mean, that would be epic. Let me put it like this. I don't think that, hypothetically speaking, if she's pregnant, I don't think she will go to the same lengths of secrecy that she did with Stormy because I think the entire idea of being pregnant for the first time was obviously, you know, I would have to imagine it was beautiful, but also fear-inducing and it was her first time and it was you know, the media storm. It was a totally different world, which of course it would be a media frenzy, but in a different way. And so- I could see her definitely coming out about it before the baby is born on like a stormy situation. However, doing it in a big way. 
Right. Because here's the thing with Kylie keeping it a secret the first time. As much as it was for her own protection and safety and the way she wanted to handle her pregnancy, let's be honest in saying that the attention and the fact that we still talk about that to this day and the way that keeping the pregnancy went down and the fact that she was able to do it in the media circus that it created around trying to figure out if she was pregnant and what the deal was, Kylie ate that shit up. That is the thing that Kylie loves more than anything in the entire world is Everybody banning together to not only figure out what's going on with her, but then to compliment her in the aftermath of how she handled it. So I think Kylie doing it this time in terms of keeping it a secret. Yeah, I don't know if she'll necessarily keep it a secret until the baby's born if she is pregnant. But I think the showmanship of the pregnancy being a secret and then doing it in some sort of revealing way has so much more to do with the response she got the first time than rationale that she tells the public for the what she was doing the first time. So I agree with that. I just also think, and I think we're saying the same thing, I do believe that her rationale did have a lot to do with the legitimate factors of safety and fear and the media frenzy the first time. However, of course, there was the more subliminal element of like loving what it kind of created and the secrecy. I think you're right. The second time, those first issues would be less prevalent. And I think that based on the response, yes, it would, she would be more likely to do it. Not, but I don't think that it means that she was lying about her intention the first time. No, I don't think she was lying either. I think that is a hundred percent true that she wanted to keep the baby a secret for those reasons. I think that what happened as a result of her initial desire to do that became very desirable to, for her to do again. I mean, the thing is with that pregnancy is that It created an insane media circus because every single person was trying to get that shot to figure out if she was pregnant for real, what the deal was. Like, that's why there were helicopters flying overhead and seeing if there was cribs being delivered. It wasn't because she was pregnant. It was because they needed confirmation of her being pregnant. She could have put an end to all of that madness by just posting one photo of her. Everyone knew she was pregnant. Those rumors had gone too far for it to be anything but that at that point in the first pregnancy. So if she wanted to put an end to the helicopters and the inability to leave her house and anything of the sort, she could have posted one photo of herself and put an end to it. The media circus that happened as a result of that pregnancy and that feeling of like, oh my God, people care so much about my pregnancy that they are willing to fly helicopters over my head and park outside my house. Even if she hated the act of them doing that because it's invasive and it's a lot to handle and very stressful when you're pregnant, it created more stress than it would have been had she just said she was pregnant. And I think that whole idea of things is desirable for her to kind of recreate again. Obviously, it's on a much lesser scale because the theory hasn't picked up again. And it's almost a game if she is doing this again of like, can I keep it even more of a secret than I did the first time? Yes. I I agree with every single word you said. And as you were talking, I just could not help but bring myself back to when they released that Christmas card, when they were all in the jeans and the white shirt and she wasn't there. And that was the ultimate moment when we, I, I think if I had to pinpoint it, that was the moment when we really lost it. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing was crazy and I don't blame her for doing that. Like my explanation of what I, I think her thought process there is not blaming. I think it like created one of the most epic pregnancies in celebrity history. Like it was iconic. The fact that she kept it a secret and that she released the to our daughter video. I just think that it would be lying to say that the only reason for keeping it a secret was just safety and protection and and nervousness. Like, I think there is obviously another layer to it we have to acknowledge. And if she were to go through that again, in terms of keeping it a secret, then that's the part of it that she's playing up, not the initial reasoning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just think that this time I could see, I really could see the Met Gala theory having legs. Yeah, I could too, totally. That would be pretty epic, honestly. Yeah, it would be like Beyonce showing her baby bump after singing Love on Top. I think also the thing about Kylie, which is, I think just so part of her personality, very much her being a Leo. It's like, if she can create an entire kind of performance out of a life event that already has a lot of interest, she's going to do it. And I can't think of something more performative and more kind of like 
dramatic, said in a really positive way, than a pregnancy reveal on the red carpet at the fucking Met Gala. Right. And in reality, there's not a lot of stages, quote unquote, that Kylie gets to do that for. Obviously, there's a lot of red carpets that she can walk and be seen at. And the ones that are kind of bigger are are very Travis-centric because it would be the Grammys or some sort of music award. That would be the big thing. The, the shows that Kylie walks in or the red carpets that Kylie walks on aren't the big leagues. Like it's not the Met Gala. So the Met Gala presumably would be the biggest thing that she gets to participate in. There's no SNL stage for her. There's no Grammy stage for her. There's no Oscar stage for her to be able to show it off in such an incredible way that would send the shockwaves through Hollywood. So the Met Gala in theory would be the perfect place for her to do that. Yeah. And also because it's not so Kardashian centric, obviously, as we know, you know, typically her Kim and Kendall are there, but it's not like the Kardashian and Chris, but it's not like the Kardashians dominate the event. And I think that almost having that little bit of separation and having it be so intertwined with real high fashion would also be another factor that would make it desirable for her. I so agree. Oh, I just know we're going to fucking deep dive this on Monday. I know. And that was like, you know what's crazy is that that was like the light version of discussing it. I know. We literally said to each other before we started recording, like, we'll just spend, I don't know, one minute just to acknowledge it. (laughs) Once you get me started, I can't stop. It's physically impossible. This is all we have been talking about. And again, that was like the bare minimum of things I have to say about this. I know. Obviously, same. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchased, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. Okay, so back to the episode. We are on season four, episode nine. Two major plot lines here are Lamar going on the road and Chloe wanting to deliver him this very sexy surprise, which we all know how that goes down. And then second, Courtney is very, very pregnant. And the whole conversation about her and Scott being able to have sex or not is brought up. And we're really getting some OG, like prime TikTok sound, Courtney and Scott here. It's so good. I have to tell you, watching this, even though there were some moments that you're so connected to their love story and you love watching the way that they handle things together, I do not feel a sense of longing. I can't say that that's completely separate and apart from her relationship with Travis. And if she wasn't with Travis and didn't seem so in love and so happy and so fulfilled, I maybe would be longing for this. But I don't watch this episode and think, wow, I wish they could go back to what they had. And if you asked me a year ago, that's exactly what I would have said. They have certain moments. Well, we're also at a very different part of rewatching. Like our memory is very skewed of the way Courtney and Scott were together. And I think that we're just realizing that again, where in our minds, the ups and the downs weren't multiple times in an episode. It was like they would have these moments of absolute highs and then months later or a year later, it would be a low and then they would recover like... And I think that our memory kind of tricked us into believing like, okay, if they could only stay at the highs, then they'd be perfect together. And that's what we had in our minds. Like, oh, they're at such highs now, taking Travis out of the equation, of course. They're at such highs now, like they should be able to make that work. And I think what we forgot about, 
and what we're discussing in these episodes is it's not like periods of highs and lows. It's like episodes and multiple times within those episodes of the high points and the low points. So you attach on to the high points when you want them to be together. And then when you're saying, you know, maybe they wouldn't actually work, you're attaching yourself to those low points. And I think what we're realizing now as we're rewatching those episodes, because when we first started a year ago or so, it was only high points, really. Like it was mainly high and a couple of very in between lows. Now we're getting into those more low points. So we're kind of changing our thinking of like, maybe they wouldn't have been good together. And that's why it's different from when we were thinking so a year ago. I don't think it's only the Travis element. Yes. No, it's a very fair point. You're right. And I think that 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 doesn't just apply to Courtney and Scott. That goes to every single family member, depending on what is going on in their life and in that season. So yes, I so agree with it. I think that what's highlighted for us here is that nobody can ever say they didn't have a lot of fun together and they didn't really love each other and have a connection. That's absolutely undeniable. I think you know what really happened until it init- until it finally came to a head where it was unbearable. It's like these are just two people that do not have the same style of communication, do not have the same expectations and just have a little bit of a fundamental like misalignment. And some of that can be worked on and sometimes it's just a little bit too hard. And I feel like we're starting to really be introduced to that. Yeah, I I completely agree with you there. Okay, so first real scene is Chloe and Lamar. They're still at the hotel room at the SLS. Keep in mind, they had been going back and forth between this hotel and the old Calabasas Ranch. And they're talking about how it's his first game tonight. And, you know, Lamar has 82 games a year, 41 home and 41 away. And something we've seen from them since the beginning is they are inseparable. They don't spend one minute apart. And so for Chloe, I think she's kind of having this realization of like, wait a second, my relationship as I knew it is not going to exist in the same way. And again, it was such a whirlwind of a romance that for reality to set in in any capacity, whether it was him leaving or some other issue that they were going to have to try and navigate was really their first time dealing with that as a couple. So it was like the reality of this crazy romance really setting in. So it wasn't even so much that they were going to be apart for this period of time. It was like, okay, now we're coming up on like actual problems we're going to have to start to deal with with each other that we've never had to do before. Right. It was like this relationship doesn't solely exist in the honeymoon phase. And we are now going to have to start to integrate that into our real lives. And not that that made her doubt it at all, but that's scary. You know, when you are so love struck and you're so in it and it all happens so fast. And then all of a sudden just reality hits you like a ton of bricks. And that's what was happening here. Right. Exactly. Also to hear Kim's perspective on it, you know, when she says in the confessional, Chloe's going to have to get used to this. She obviously has an understanding of it that none of the other siblings can because that was the deal with Reggie. The resurgence of Reggie is so funny to me because I keep forgetting that at this point they've reconciled and Kim every so often will just find a way to sneak in the fact that they're back together at this point. And she's like, I know exactly what Chloe's going through. Reggie, my current boyfriend who I'm dating right now, we've gotten back together. Reggie, my boyfriend. I'm like, oh yeah, don't worry, Kim. I got you. Like, I see where you're at. Thank you for reminding us because I 100% have forgotten every single time until you speak. Every single time. Because also he's so much less present than all of their other significant others. Like that was a huge part of the show that everybody who they were dating were so heavily involved. And obviously he couldn't be, one, because they had broken up and also because of his schedule. So she wanted to make that as known as physically possible. A hundred percent. And she definitely did at times. Yeah. So next scene, this is when we're introduced to the Courtney and Scott sex plot line. And Courtney's brushing her teeth. She's in her pajamas. Scott comes in in his full suit, which by the way, we don't talk about that enough. The de-escalation of Scott's wardrobe from like three-piece suit, no matter what, to solely activewear. You want to know why? I actually Mm -hmm. do think about this a lot in my own time. Why? He de-escalated from that when he didn't have anything to prove anymore. Yeah, it's true. When he didn't have a job and he was like, everyone was like, what the hell does Scott Disick do on a day-to-day basis? That's when he was three-piece suit, walking around, trying to show off the like the way he looked and being really into that. Once he was more established and was like a person that could stand on his own, that's when the suit stopped being a real thing. I think that that is very accurate. And I also think... 
you know, once he formed his own friend group that was also, you know, separate from just the Kardashians, that's very much the style of everybody that he hangs out with, like that very kind of loungewear, trendy vibe. And so he fits, he fits in beautifully. Yeah. Like Dave Grutman's not in a three-piece suit. No, that's what I'm saying. All of them. Exactly. So this is really the first interaction that highlights how Scott feels like he's sex deprived. And Courtney is the first one to say that that's accurate. You know, she obviously has fears about the baby and she's not comfortable with the entire idea of it. But like this scene, for some reason, out of the many scenes in Kardashian history is so deeply burned into my mind that there was nothing about it that was surprising to me or reminded me of something. I almost felt like I could have had it memorized. I felt the exact same way, weirdly enough. Right? Like Scott saying, I'm not asking to park a dump truck in there. I'm just asking to let me get in there. No, the part where I'll tell you what it is that stands out the absolute most for me. The part where Courtney is saying to him, like, listen, it's obviously not you. Like, I'm not saying I'm not attracted to you. I just like, I'm pregnant and I'm nervous. And he's like, so what I'm hearing is blowjob. Like that is cemented in my mind. Cemented. I know. And I also think, I don't know if it would have already been, but we cannot ignore the TikTok influence because it's very real. Oh, a million percent. Also, I know this is really not that big of a deal and I'm making it into something that it's not, but I just want to point out this one line because when Courtney says to him, at least if I'm being honest with you and telling you it's not you, it's not like I'm not attracted to you or don't want to have sex with you. It's just that I'm scared, which the reason I pointed out is that additional clarification to make him feel like validated and comfortable that it's nothing about him is kind of off brand for Courtney. Like she typically doesn't take the time to do that. And I know she was doing it to kind of just further her argument, but it did stick out to me because she doesn't normally, in my opinion, when it comes to Scott, clarify things in that way. I feel like it was one of the more important clarifications also because it was a reflection of how he came off because the conversation of like, I'm pregnant and I don't want to have sex and my like my boyfriend or my husband is driving me crazy about it versus I'm nervous to have sex, but I want to is so different in how we would approach Scott in that scenario. Like if Courtney was sitting there being like, I just don't want to do it. I'm not in the mood. I don't feel like it. And he was pressuring her. Then that's a really different conversation than like, I, you want it too. I want it also like, let's do this and figure out a way to do it safely. And in a way that makes you feel comfortable. And I think that her clarification of like validating his emotions and like his place sexually for her was yes about validating him, but it was also about the way we as the audience view him. It's a really important point. You are so right. And honestly, in the beginning, I wasn't fully sure. You know, when I watched this for the first time, obviously we were so much younger, but you don't really know where she's coming from. And it comes across kind of like specifically as a woman, you're really turned off to the way that Scott's behaving because it's kind of like your sexual desires are not the focus right now. Like she's literally with child. And once you understood that she wants this too, and maybe they can work together to find out a safe way, you're so right. It changes the entire narrative and it makes him look so much better. Like, you know, you don't hate him. Right. Like I think in the beginning, the way he handled it still wasn't the way you would want someone to like the jokes and the kind of pressuring, like that was less than ideal. But once you understand the circumstance, it changes the narrative more. Completely. Yes. He didn't handle it the best, but I just, I'm glad that we got more clarity as to where she stood on it. Totally. So next scene is Chloe and Malika at lunch. (laughs) Also, don't you feel productive when we decide something like that? I love every scene that like comes to a, to a perfect end where it's like back and forth, back and forth, come to the same place, agree and move on to the next scene. It's the perfect formula. (laughs) It's the perfect formula. I feel like we created it together. And you know what the best is also because sometimes either one of us will do a thing where we just like agree to disagree because like we can't go back and forth anymore. We start going in circles and repeating the same point. So it's just like we end, but we haven't come to a resolve. Like when we come to a resolve and we get to the same place, it's the best feeling. Do you feel better in those cases? Yeah. Yeah. I feel amazing. (laughs) Okay. So next scene is Chloe and Malika at lunch and Chloe saying that Lamar's longest road trip is 16 days. And they're basically having a very honest conversation about, you know, how are you going to kind of keep the passion alive even when he isn't physically there, which to your average couple may not be as concerning for a two-week trip, but for two people that have not spent any time apart, of course, that's going to cross their minds. And this is when Malika has the idea of making a video. And Chloe goes, like a solo sex tape, like masturbation. Malika goes, I'm not going to videotape you masturbating. 
And this is when Chloe has the idea of being in a bathtub full of candy, which something that I didn't remember and I only realized rewatching is that it actually was her idea. I thought it was Malika's idea. No, it was her idea. But Malika <laughs> was an integral part of this whole thing. I know, but how did – it's just so funny to me. Like, I so understand that she was trying to think of things that Lamar likes. I just don't know if I if I were her if candy would have been my first thought when I was trying to combine it with sex. Well, you take the two things you love most in the world. I I get it. <laughs> it's just like to me, it makes perfect sense. <laughs> I just, the fact that her mind immediately went to the bathtub was a, I don't know how we, I was like, okay, how do we get from point A to point B? I understand maybe a lollipop, but this just feels like you know what it felt like. I have the fucking perfect comparison. Are you ready? I'm ready. Remember on Pimp My Ride or on Extreme Makeover Home Edition when somebody just slightly mentions that they like like butterflies and next thing you know you're walking into a fucking cocoon as your bedroom or your car that's what this was to me <laughs> yeah I mean right? I, I understand like I, I understand that how did we get from point A to point B of just like he likes candy as a general concept let me make that general concept about sex but I think in her mind it was like what fun props can I use and it's like let me combine the two things he absolutely loves most in the entire world, which is candy and sex with me. Right. It was very exhibit energy of Chloe, and you know I'm not wrong. No, I, I don't think you're wrong. <laughs> so next scene, Scott and Courtney are packing up the hospital bag, and they're continuing the conversation about them not having sex. And she goes, I think you're just being annoying. He says, I'm being annoying, but I'm trying to make love to you throughout your pregnancy, and it helps the baby come quicker. So are we going to do it or what? And she's like, you're just being really selfish and insensitive and like, don't make fun of me over it. He goes, I'm not making fun of you. She goes, yes, you are. You're making fun of me. You're such a douche. And she basically kind of locks him out. And he goes, I didn't mean to be rude to you. I was only kidding. I feel like this should be the time that we're the closest. And I feel like I'm the farthest. It's not just about sex. It's just about the fact that having sex with you makes me feel closer to you. I don't know what else to do anymore. I miss a lot of things. And in her confessional, she's saying, you know, he has a point. I really do miss being intimate too. And we need to figure it out. And I, oh my God, I have so many emotions right now. Like I'm trying to process them. Can you go first? Yeah. Well, this is by the way, like the prime example of what we were talking about further with Scott mastering the art of the apology, because what he said, and I do believe he genuinely meant it, like made the situation so much better. Again, you're starting at a situation where it's not just that he's pressuring her for sex. It's that she's coming from a place where she's nervous and just not the fact that she doesn't just want to do it. Like she wants to do it, but she's nervous. And he, of course, in typical Scott fashion, takes this very joking approach to it. And when she gets upset, he comes in and he says all of the right things. And I think he genuinely meant it. And so it's so interesting to watch this back and forth dynamic where from one second she can go to being so unbelievably annoyed and irritated by him to him saying something and she's sitting there being like, yeah, Scott's right. I 100% agree with him. And like, I'm going to change my entire approach to this situation now. Right. And there's so much of that there. And that was, I think, like one half of my mind kind of just taking that in and, and the progression of the conversation. But the other half had kind of nothing to do with this particular conversation and like a little bit taking a step back of, I can't believe we have this footage of such an intimate moment. Like this is when they are packing the hospital bag for Mason's birth. It's the first Kardashian grandchild. And we're witnessing this back and forth. And like, I think that this was a very real conversation. I think that this is also an issue that a lot of couples that are this far along in pregnancy probably have. And I kind of, it, it was just one of those scenes for me where I was like, you know what? This is the reason that the show was so successful because they showed this stuff. And so many people would never have showed this stuff. Yeah, it was an incredibly intimate moment. It really was. And when he says, I love you, little one, and then he kisses her belly and he goes, and I love you, little, little one. Like, we are now, we know Mason. Do you know how fucking crazy that is to watch now? I know. Fifty high school senior girls descend on Mobile, Alabama every summer to compete for a massive cash prize. It isn't Survivor. It's one of America's most lucrative scholarship competitions for teen girls. It's been around for seven decades. Now you'll hear what took place behind the scenes. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery comes the competition. 
Host Shima Oliai was Nevada's contestant 20 years ago. Now she's returning as a judge to find out what two weeks with 50 of the country's most ambitious teens can tell us about girlhood in America. What happens when the competitors are thrown into the deep end with the best and brightest? And how does surviving the competition prepare them for everything that comes after? Follow the competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of the competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. So next scene, it's Courtney, Chloe, Chris, and Kim. And this is when Courtney's kind of voicing her fear to the group. And, you know, this is when you see Chris kind of pull on her experience from having six kids and saying how she was never hornier than when she was pregnant and, you know, just a whole list of kind of describing how sex was for her in the time that she was as pregnant as Courtney was. And it's so funny because you see, you know, Courtney, Chloe, and Kim, they have this reaction of just disgust that they don't want to hear Chris talk about it. And it's so gross. And like, I get it, obviously, but also where they choose to draw the line is completely arbitrary. Like you have no problem talking about Rob's dick extensively, but the second Chris mentions sex when she's pregnant, it's like all bets are off. I, I know. Well, (laughs) their relationship with Rob crosses that line plenty of times, but with Chris, I feel like it's more, she can talk about sex and she can talk about sex with them. And as long as she doesn't relate it back to her own sex life, they're okay with that. Right. That's, and especially because three out of the six times or four out of the six times were with their dad. Right. So next scene, it's Chloe and Malika, and this is when they are filming the sex tape for Lamar. And it's just, you know, we obviously see how this plays out a few scenes down the line, but overarching sentiment here is like, I don't care who you are. You can be the most confident human being on the planet. I think having an audience when you are trying to be sexy for your significant other can be a little bit intimidating. And so to do it in front of all of these cameras and then step further in front of like the world, I'm talking, I was talking just about the camera crew, but like on top of that, the viewers, I have to give her some credit there. Oh, so much. Cause I can't think of one thing I would rather like do less than that right there. Yeah. Just the, the actual process, like having it, having the final product come out is one thing, but to have yourself filmed when you're trying to get into character is a very vulnerable moment. too, too vulnerable. I'm actually beyond impressed, not only that she did it, but that she allowed that to be on camera. And not that it was any reflection of her. I just can imagine that being beyond. Yeah. I think, like I said, even for the most confident person, it's such an intimate moment. Like you put on this almost different persona. Yeah. So next scene is Scott and Courtney in bed. And this is when they're looking up sex classes and trying to decide what to do. And Scott goes, I'm happy you finally went out of your way. I know it must have been weird talking to your mom, but I just want it to be back to normal. And if it means going to some weird sex class, I'll do it. I love you and I just want to be close to you. I love them. Something I really loved about Scott in this scene, and I don't know if this is like the bars on the ground or if this is actually something worth noting, but the fact that he was so happy that Courtney was willing to talk to her mom about the problems that they were having and try and find a solution while also including her family in that process was something that made me feel like Scott has grown so much. Like the fact that he wants her family involved and he's actually saying, thank you for talking to your mom about this, something that, you know, I'm sure couldn't have been comfortable for you or for her or for me as well. Like I thought that was such a moment of growth for him. No, I don't think that it's a bar on the floor moment. And I actually don't even think that it's limited to just his growth. I think for anybody, like when your partner is okay with you talking to your parent about like potential sexual issues you're having, and obviously not in a way that's intrusive, like I think that that's a big deal. And I think, you know, there's a lot of things that could come into play, like ego issues and just a lot of reasons why he wouldn't want that to happen. And I think that their general kind of open dynamic feeds into him being more accepting of it. But yeah, I so agree with you. I think that that was admirable. And I don't even think that's necessarily limited to sex and in, in what we were saying about him being happy that Courtney reached out. Like I think in any problem that you have for Scott to be the person to say like, thank you so much for talking to your mom about that or for reaching out to somebody else for help, no matter what the thing is. That's like a, a very big thing. I think if they were having any sort of issue and Scott's response to that was like, thank you for talking to your mom instead of saying like, why are you bringing our problems to other people? That's huge. 
Well, right, because the opposite of that is like the most abusive behavior ever, where you want to just isolate the person to the nth degree to make them feel like they are alone in this and they obviously don't have any way out and they don't have any sort of help or you know, support system. And so clearly, I mean, this wasn't an abusive situation at all, but just in general, it was indicative of a behavior that is actually supportive to the partner, even though I know the context is kind of weird, but I so get what you're saying. Right. So next scene, it's Courtney and Chloe, and they're just still trying to film this video that was kind of a failed mission with Malika. And again, I mean, even with your sibling who you are so close with, and at this time, Courtney and Chloe could not be closer. I still think it's really awkward when you are trying to put on this persona. And like, Courtney is the first one to acknowledge that it's just not, it's not performing in the way that Chloe intended it to be. I think no matter who you are, this is hard to do. I think so too. Like person there filming or not, I think that what Chloe was trying to accomplish is not the easiest thing. I've been seeing a lot on TikTok. I don't know why this is coming up on my For You page, but there's a lot of like boudoir photographers that advertise on TikTok, obviously with their client's permission. And I really understand like doing that. I know a lot of it is, you know, just for self-empowerment and sometimes you're not even sharing it with anyone, but I do think also you could do it as a gift to your partner. And like that to me feels a lot more of a feasible option when you have somebody there who has experience, nothing that you're going to do is going to like make them awkward and they're going to command it and they're going to give you direction and they're going to make you feel empowered the entire time. Like that's something I could get behind in my own life. I know that's not what we're talking about, but if I try to put myself in these shoes, whereas like just putting up a camera and having my friend try to film it feels like less of a successful option for me. The funniest part of that was you saying that you didn't know why that was coming up on your free <laughs> as know. if they didn't target the perfect person. I have no idea why this is coming up. I can't imagine what I've done in my life to make this be my For You page. Would you go with me? I would need you there. Yeah, I would go with you. Okay. (laughs) Moving on, shall we? We shall. Courtney and Scott at pregnancy sex class. I loved this so much because all I could think about was where are these other people now? Like I need to know where these other couples are and how they feel knowing that this episode was filmed with Courtney and Scott. It's it's really an iconic scene to be a part of. Iconic. This was one of the funnier scenes I've ever seen. Scott's facial expression as they're going through all of the different sex positions for them to try. And there's like one part where she says like, no, put it put it in between her legs. And he's like, does the penis get used in this or is it just my leg? Is maybe one of the funnier things ever. <laughs> I know. And also the fact that he's in a three-piece suit. Yeah, no, that was so good. <laughs> when Courtney, no, no, no. When Courtney's squatting on his face and he's like, who the hell is this for? <laughs> <laughs> and the instructor, like those are the types of characters that make this show so good. People that are just so unembarrassed and so committing to the role and like they don't care that the cameras are there because that's their general personality i appreciate that you know what the funniest part of this whole plot line was for me the fact that courtney's whole thing was that wasn't just like she was nervous about having sex while pregnant it was like she was nervous because she was so little and pregnant that she didn't think anything else would fit and i just wanted scott to have this moment of like kind of similar to pete davidson in a stand-up of being like it's not that big. It's just that you are little. Like, it can fit perfectly fine. Yeah. <laughs> can we just tell them what you texted me? What What did I text you? Oh. <laughs> I knew. No, no I, we can cut it if it doesn't come across right. But I knew when I watched this that you were going to text me saying that exact thing because I watched this episode first. Julie texted me and she was like, Courtney – being afraid that she's too small. Like I just simply cannot relate. I've never related to anything less. And I was like, I was waiting for you to get there. Cause I obviously have the same thought process, but I knew that you were going to. She kept calling herself little. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, I genuinely, genuinely cannot imagine a scenario in which I am pregnant. And my first instinct to describe myself would still be little. It's like, it's it's so out of the realm of my possibility of my entire existence that like, you're right. I felt like we were watching something that we couldn't even remotely relate to. That was maybe the funnier part of the episode. The wait is over. That's right. Season five of the Kardashians is here. Just when you thought life couldn't get any faster, they're punching it into overdrive. Chris, Courtney, Kim, Chloe, Kendall, and Kylie are back 
and continue to defy expectations in all their endeavors. So get ready to go behind the glitz and glamour of the most iconic family on television. The all-new season of The Kardashians premieres May 23rd, streaming on Hulu. So next scene, this is when Chloe's really struggling editing this video for Lamar and Kim and Courtney come in and I think Chloe's just feeling entirely unsexy and like there's no world in which she wants to give it to him and Kim and Courtney kind of insist on it. But again, like we said a million times before, there's nobody as close as the three of them. And even still, you can sense how awkward Chloe feels. Yeah, it was an awkward predicament for her to be in. And I think with sisters, it can, even though they're so close, it can still have that level of awkwardness no matter what. I'll tell you something. Nothing is more awkward than what happens next, which is Rob, Lamar, Chloe, and Scott. They're all hanging out. Rob and Scott go to pay for the pizza. Obviously, this was a setup, but I don't care. I would watch it 10 times over, even if it was more staged than this. And they go into Chloe's bag to get the cash, and they see this XXX video. They put it on. So it's now Rob, Scott, and Lamar watching Chloe's unfinished sex tape, and she walks in on them. And like, this is P. Kardashians. This right here, if you said to me, right now, give me 15 scenes that illustrate the show for the entire 20 seasons, you know damn well this is going to be one of the ones I'm choosing. I could do without Rob being there for this scene. But how accurate was it that he was? Because that is so representative of how much they constantly <laughs> cross the line with each other and like a, a sibling, yet also showing each other shit way. Oh, beyond. I just felt so for Chloe. I just... I can't imagine if I was Chloe, a situation that I would want to have taken place less. Same. So, so same. Especially, like, even if she had thought this video had come out incredibly well, for other people besides who it was intended for to see it, namely Rob and Scott, would have been one level of mortifying. But to already be really embarrassed by the video and unsure of it, for it to then happen like that was just, it was another level. She didn't even know if she was going to give it to him. Right. So here it is. She's still like undecided. It's not even like she made the official decision to commit. So while she was still deciding this was blown up, I mean, I, I can't. I just – and Lamar, even though he initially reacted kind of poorly because he was like being one of the boys, he did immediately go over to her, made her feel like the most beautiful girl in the world, like kind of apologized for laughing. And it was a sweet moment. And like we said earlier, they haven't had many situations where they've had to deal with like, quote, conflicts. And not that this was a conflict, but this was a rather lighthearted opportunity for him to show how he would support her in a situation like this. Yeah, I so agree. You know, embarrassment is like a very weird emotion. And you sometimes don't know how you're going to react until it happens to you. And this was like prime embarrassment. And so for him to be so comforting and loving, even if initially he was a little bit off, probably spoke volumes for her because that's maybe when you're your most vulnerable. I also think the initial laughter came so much from the setting that that it was in. Like, had this video just been put on for him, again, there was like a goofy element of her being funny. It's not like she was being strictly sexy and he was laughing. Like, there was the obvious part of the video that was just funny because she's Chloe and the way she was was funny. But also the setting that they were in with Lamar sitting with Scott and Rob and putting that video on and it being just the shock factor of that coming on the TV with the two of them in the room also was like what made him laugh so hard. So it's not just that he watched it and thought it was like funny and not sexy. It was like everything combined really went into his reaction. So it was a more understandable initial response. Yes. And also just like nervousness and being uncomfortable. Yeah, of course. One thing that I just want to highlight here is we talk about this so much, Rob and Lamar's relationship, but like, I I love these scenes, not this particular thing, but what happened right before, which is them all just hanging out because like, we don't talk about enough how Rob was a diehard Lakers fan. And so, yeah, at this point, it's just his brother-in-law and he's not like starstruck, but it's still really fucking cool to him. I would have to imagine that like one of the stars of the Lakers all of a sudden became my family. And you can just see the way that he looks up to Lamar with such admiration. It's really special. And honestly, now it's very sad because we know what has transpired, but I will never get sick of watching them together. Oh, I so, so agree. Also, the three of them hanging out is something that you will literally never get again. You will never get the dynamic of Lamar, Rob, and Scott hanging out, sitting, playing video games in Chris's old house. That is so special to watch. 
yeah, it, it's very special to watch. And I, I, I kind of like savor these scenes because, you know, we will never, like you said, we'll never get it again. Yeah. Anyway, so this episode concludes with Scott putting on a very romantic display and he puts rose petals on the bed and they kind of get back into the groove and they're then at Chris's house and they're all there together and like they just can't get enough of each other. There's so much PDA. The rest of the family's freaking out and Caitlin in a move of retaliation goes to like make out with Chris and just, again, this is another scene that so exemplifies the entire dynamic and how unconventional it was for reality TV. What a fucking good episode. I was a little nervous that it wouldn't be enough to recap, but it totally was. It was one of the rare 30-minute episodes where there was plenty. And even though every single scene wasn't worthy of like an intense discussion, and it wasn't an intense episode by any means either. It's just the combination of it being such a classic, old, great episode, and then them also having dynamics that still exist today. A perfect combination. Perfect combination. Anything else you would like to mention? I think that's it, kid. Okay. Well, we love you guys so much. Isabel and I will see you tomorrow for our Bravo episode, which honestly, Julia, I, you got to watch that Beverly Hills one. Our discussion, I just listened. I think it was so good. Like we are both so deeply invested in it. It's, I can't get enough. I know I have to watch. I will. I promise. It's so good. Okay. Love you guys so much. We'll see you tomorrow for Bravo. And then next week, and we actually have a guest surprise next week for a part of the episode. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide.